Okay, it's not hard to come up with the answers to a few of those prompts, is it? No, no, because I submit to you, word of the day, that we submit every day. But there's two key words in that green sheet. What are they? So that. So that. Everybody say it. So that. We're going to camp on that idea today. We are going to camp on the idea that submitting has an outcome. It always has and it always will. And we are very um, conditional people. We like to know that if we do something, something will happen. Or if we don't do something, something will happen. And we would like to think it's a good thing. So we're going to start off with a very good thing. I'm going to pray to Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. See, I can't just say Jesus anymore now that I know he's our Messiah and our Savior. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're with us in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a way to know you in the person of Jesus Christ and his eyewitness, Peter. I thank you that your Holy Spirit continues to instruct and teach and needle and prompt us to be um, more and more conformed into his image and likeness. Lord, let this last 30 minutes um, bring you glory for that purpose. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the word submission isn't pretty. This is how I feel about it right there. That's how I feel about it. Um, most of us are like, oh, Tammy, sweet Tammy, our, our coordinator here, she says, Cheryl, you, you're teaching two lessons on submission. How can I pray for you? <laughs> I told her, pray I submit. <laughs> and that's exactly what I needed because one of the things that I want to do so that is I want to be able to bring you the message of Christ authentically so that you and I look more and more like him in the world so that God gets the glory. So that's why we're here today. So I could really just shut off the mic and the tape recorder right now because that's it. In fact, that's this too, this entire book. So it's easy stuff, but it's hard to apply as we discussed in our small group. How do you apply that? How do you know when to do that? How do you know when it's, um, when it's meekness or kowtowing or when it's a beautiful submission? In what circumstances, in what ways do we submit under difficult challenges? I'm not going to get too deeply into that. The world is full of that question, and I certainly don't have all those answers. I'm just busy worrying on a day-to-day -day basis if I should set my alarm and follow it or press snooze again. <laughs> um, submitting happens every day. So anyway, submission feels wrong a lot. It feels like this. You're not the boss of me. Any kid, anybody have kids that say that? Uh, I'm independent. I make my own decisions. I am a modern woman. I want what I want. This is my favorite one. Why should I? So today we're going to answer the question, why should I? And it, the answer to that question is so that. And now we're going to find out what the so that is. Um, some people call me bossy. A lot of people call me bossy, it turns out. Uh, <laughs> the other day I actually said to someone, I am bossy because I am your boss which uh, sounded really bossy. Um, and then I've seen those things that say, you know, I'm not bossy, I have leadership skills. Um, I have a favorite one, I, I'm not bossy, I just have better ideas. But um, I have this friend who gave me this, which I kept on my desk, and unfortunately everybody that walked by agreed yeah, here's what it is. And, and Peg asked me a few minutes ago, should she answer those so what questions, tongue-in-cheek or real? So this is what's on my desk. I'm not glossy. I'm just helpful. 
and one of my friends gave this to me. And you want to know what kind of friend she is? Bossy. That's right. Yeah, I gave her I gave her another one. So I'm using her back. But we're both bossy. We we appreciate that about one another. But we also understand that when you are a person with a certain capacity to lead or a certain privilege or in a time or a season with circumstances or talents, you can let it go to your head. And we don't want that. Um, so that's what this is about. We talked in our group about the difference between submitting and physical behavior, submitting mentally, submitting emotionally, submitting spiritually. They're, they're different things, but well aligned, they're the same thing. Because there is one head, and it's not me. So let's talk a little bit. So contrary to the idea of submission in our society, are these, or are contrasting here um, in, in some of our literary scenes is the notion of therefore that we've talked about before. So everybody answer this question. When I see the word therefore, I ask myself, what's it? Therefore. Okay, so now I want you to pay attention to the words, so that. And I want you to ask yourself, when I see the word so that, I ask myself, so that what? Everybody say it. When I see the word so that, I ask myself, so, so that, that what? Okay, that's what we're going for today. There are other forms of so that in the scriptures, and it depends on which version you're reading, but you'll hear the concept of that. And I don't mean the that which is an adjective like that house is pretty, not that kind of that. The that which is a leads you into a conclusion. So that, in order that, that this will be done. And we're going to be focusing on that today. And the reason we are is because I saw that with new eyes on my 38th reading of First Peter. <laughs> it's amazing what's in there. And on my 38th reading of sixth, First Peter, I heard so that, so that, so that, so that, so that. So just so you know, so that you don't freak out. There's a lot of scriptures and a lot of blanks you're going to fill in. And if you don't fill them in, all the reference points are there so you can do them on your own time. Or I can send it to Tammy and she can disperse it to your leaders. You can have all the answers. So there will be no panicking if you don't get the exact wording down in all the blanks I gave you. Okay, are we good with that? I told you that so that you can relax. All right. I, I, I would submit to you that we, it isn't that we don't like submission. We like to get something out of it. So I'm going to compare and contrast therefore to so that. In therefore, we look backwards into the reference previous, and it shows a reason. So therefore tells us something happened, and it's going to give us all the groundwork for what's happening now. It gives us a reason for what we're reading. In, in the so that sentence, we're looking forward, and we're thinking about the results. So therefore looks backwards and gives us reason, which is essential. And so that looks forward and gives us results. It actually asks the question, what happens next? So that what? So here's a great example of a therefore and a so that sentence right from our reading this week, Philippians 2, uh, 9 and 10. In this chapter, just before Philippians 9, that begins with the word therefore, we hear about how Christ didn't seek equality with God, so he took grass, that he laid down his life, he became humble, submissive for our sake. And here's the therefore. Therefore, he has high, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. And here's the key phrase. So that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus submitted himself so that we could submit ourselves. 
Here's the purpose that he came. Now, if you want more, uh, more proof of that, read the rest of the Bible. Why is Jesus here? Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus suffer, die, live, go to heaven on our behalf? A lot of scriptures. Here's a few. Mm. I'm going to make this point because it's a cute PowerPoint picture. So that you'll, you'll laugh. Um, it isn't actually that we don't want to submit. It's that we want to get something out of it. And you know whose idea that is? That's Jesus' idea. Bingo. This is the point. We want to get something out of it. And we want to get out of it what Jesus wanted us to get out of it. And we want to get out of it what he wants to get us to get out of it so that others can get what he wants to get out of it. There's a point to it. It's that simple. And so we ask ourselves, what's in it for me? All right. There are, in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, righteousness is in it for us. He himself bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Go ahead and circle the word that on your page. Or write it in. I think it's a blank in your case. 1 Peter 3.8, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the, righteousness for the, un, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Well, we get eternal life in Christ. That's a pretty good so that. John 3.16, you know it by heart probably, for God so loved the world, so that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He loved us so much he did this, and that gave us this, eternal life. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. There's more. There's so many more scriptures. John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. It's all for us that he did what he did, submitting so that. That's our pattern. That's our model. That's all we need to know. Doesn't even make, it's because he said so, but also because he did so. So as I was plugging in my PowerPoint um, stick here, I, uh, this little keychain fell off the back of this. It was on this loop, and I didn't even know I had it. And it says, he died for all, for those, that, for those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. 2 Corinthians 5.15. Here's another scripture. It's all over the place. It's really not a question of why Jesus submitted. It's a question of why aren't we submitting. So let's discover that. 1 Peter 2.21. Here's our example. For, this, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. So let's see what happens when we follow in his footsteps. That scripture is about three down on the first section. <coughs> You're going to get four results. You know, I said, therefore gives us reason, so that gives us results. Okay, here's four results. My faith is enlarged. My relationship is enhanced. And I would say relationships, both with God and with men. My witness is effective. And God gets glorified. Now, these are the four results that I gleaned from 1 Peter. 
you can find more results in more books of the Bible. But since we're camping on 1 Peter, I thought, well, there's a lot in here, as you can see by your handout with all these scripture notes. There's a lot of information in here about why we should do this and what happens when we do. So, my faith is enlarged as I grow according to his purpose. Let's think about that. Faith is like a muscle, you know. It exercises, as you exercise it, it grows. I know that whenever there's a gap between what I think I can do um, on my own accord, because I have the time or the talent or the resources or whatever, and what I think I probably can't do, that's where I have to get really down on my knees. The gap between what I know I can do if I didn't have God and what I know I can't do unless I have God is where faith grows. And when I go up to that line more often, I get stronger in my faith. My faith gets bigger. It was an act of faith to be a Bible teacher because there's a, not a lot of logic why I'm standing here and you're sitting there. In fact, there's probably none. Except that I felt God saying to me, you need to step out this way, Cheryl, because I'm going to grow you up in that spot. And the, and the gap between what you could know how to do because you have a teaching degree and what you clearly don't know how to do because you're a baby Christian who's never had any formal teaching is where, is where God comes in. And so if you gain anything from my time up here, you know who to thank because I've had to live in the gap for a while. It used to really slay me. Now it excites me. Somebody asked me this week about this lesson. I said, I'm so excited because I was sitting, I was sitting in front of the Bible and I got this message. I mean, I wouldn't have been sitting in front of the Bible that many hours unless I was standing right here. I know this. So the gap between what I can do without God and what I cannot do without God is where my faith grows. And that's what he's asking us to do when he, when he considers submitting. I submit myself to, the, to the, the duty of study or the time and effort to get ready here so that my faith grows and so that by um, some miracle of his, yours does as well. So our faith is enlarged in that space. 1 Peter 1.21 says, You are believers in God who raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. My faith and my hope are not in the fact that I do not have any theological Bible training or that I could get some if I quit right now and went to school for the next four years. My faith are in hope in that God can you know, turn ashes into beauty for his sake and for his glory. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 2, Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. We are on a journey to grow up into the salvation he's already purposed for us. Our faith is enlarged. Second thing, our relationships are enhanced. Who wouldn't say that when you're all on the same page, things go well in the house? <laughs> Happens all the, most of the time, right? Um, you know, I have four kids, and we couldn't even order a pizza. <laughs> there were too many choices and too many children. And let me say my husband had a few opinions. So, so um, getting on the same page with God makes peace among people. We've decided to come here from 9 to 11 on Tuesday mornings because we're on the same page about that. We need it. We need each other. We need the accountability. We need the booklet. We need the study. We need the question and answer. We need the prayer partners. We need it all. That's the submission we've done on a Tuesday morning when we could be elsewhere. Maybe having our nails done or saving the world or something. But here we are today. 
So my relationship is enhanced when I am like-minded with God. And um, so Peter has a few things to say about that. He's going to talk about marriage next week when I'm luckily not on duty. <laughs> he says in Psalm, God tells us in Psalm, David's Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know that New Testament scripture that says, Ask anything in my name and you'll get it? You know what that means? If you're in my name, you only ask what's in my name. You're in, if you're in my heart, you're asking what's in my heart. So our relationships are enhanced when we submit to the heart of God because we even know what to ask for, and he's delighted to give it to us. Like a loving father is delighted to give it to us. He's also delighted not to give us certain things. If you're a parent, raise your hand. If you've had a teenager, keep it up. If you've loved every minute of it, <laughs> keep it up. I've had toddlers, and I've had teenagers, and... Um, I was one, both of those, and I know that there are times I wanted things for myself that were not in my best interest. And I would have asked for them and not gotten the desires of my heart at that time because they were not the heart of my parents for me. So when we ask in the desires of our heart, and when we submit to the desires of his heart, we can ask anything and expect that because he promises that when we are with him in heart, he is with us in heart. He is in our heart. First Peter 3, 7 Likewise, that looks backward. We'll study that next week. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Isn't it good when you're in a relationship and people listen to you? They don't turn away or look at their screen in the olden days, that picking up of the newspaper at the kitchen table. When people are with you and they hear you, that's an enhancement to your relationship, is it not? It's like, real, I mean, for us girls, let me just say, it's like everything. Eye contact, time, listening. Your prayers aren't hindered when you're in a good relationship with God because you're speaking to each other. As people who agree, who love the same things and who want to be there for one another. First Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called, so that, what, what's the gift at the end of the sentence? You may obtain a blessing. There's, there's good things that happen when we live in good ways with one another and with God. We, he's telling us there's rewards. There's, there's the fruit. There's the blessing. 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. We're going to be at the party in the premier seats. We've got VIP seating when Jesus is revealed. We are going to enjoy that space. That's part of the beauty of being submissive, is that we get to go where Jesus is going. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. What? I'm going to get some attention for this? Well done, good and faithful servant. You invested well. I saw you. I watched you. I loved you with an everlasting love. And when you were doing the right thing, I said, angels, give them a song. We're promised this is a good relationship. 
when you have people on your cheering section. This is, this, isn't it as bad? This, so, so far, have you heard anything about the submitting that feels like we're going to get a raw deal? I know, right? It's all good. So why is it so hard for us? And I would suggest to you maybe because we don't trust it. Because it's hard to live in the meantime, as I call it, the meantime, the time between now and the exaltation, the time between now and forever, the time when all of the circumstances seem to color the choices. <coughs> Third thing that happens, after we've been built up in our faith, and after we've enjoyed a sweet relationship with God, it overflows. And our witness is effective. I've, I was a Christian for a really long time, and um, I wasn't a very effective Christian. I was pretty dutiful when people were looking. <laughs> um, I wasn't really tight with the Lord. I wasn't walking in the gap between what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I really, um, I wasn't, um, leaning hard into what his view of my relationships should be. I was just, you know, floating along. But when I got on fire for his love for me, and I believed it, and I believed like a loving parent loves their child, that he loved me that much, and that what he was saying to me was not to harm me, but to give me a hope and a purpose. It wasn't to give me a rock, but a bread, you know. He, when I believed that, things started happening. And here's what didn't have to happen. I didn't have to get that theology free. I didn't have to carry around Bible tracts or even a Bible. But people started coming to me and asking me things. A gal came up to me last year and said, I just want to ask you about some hard things. And she was somebody I had on my mind and was praying for, but I just didn't like know how to have that conversation. You know, I was really pulling shelves, books off the shelves and things like that. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're coming to me to ask me this because... I wanted you to, but I didn't know what I was supposed to say. And I asked her, why did you ask me? And she said, because it seemed like you knew where to find the answers. And I'm just going to tell you, I do. I do. My witness is now effective because my faith is bigger and because my love is richer. Now it, it's more obvious. Am I perfect? No. Guess who wasn't perfect either? Peter, who wrote the book. Who wrote the book we're reading? The guy who didn't have faith that Jesus, when he said, I'm going to go and be killed and it's all going to be good. He's the guy that didn't believe it and said it will never happen on my watch. He's the guy in the relationship that denied him, was, did not have the heart of Christ after his death, did not think that what was going on here was going to be for the ultimate good, did not, was not like-minded. Well, Peter's our witness. He was a star witness in the book of Acts. Because between his sin and God's saving, a marvelous thing happens. And that's where we can stand. When The closer we get to him, after he's offered us the salvation, we don't earn it. He's offered us the salvation, and we said, you know, I'll take that. When we sit in there and drink from that pure spiritual milk, we grow up into the person he intends us for, for us to be. And not for our own glory, but for his witness, to witness to him. First Peter 2... 13 says for slaves it's good to be under authority uh, so justice can be done so that you know the good can be managed good people can get good results and bad people can get punished as is justice that's how we understand justice right good people good things bad people bad things carrot sticks consequences rules that works just like it does every day in the world 
Oh, wait a minute. You mean sometimes good people have bad things? And bad people have good things? You know what we call that? Injustice. Injustice. He tells us in Second Peter, suffer for the injustice too. Because in the end, that's where the righteousness gets revealed. And i got to remind you, Jesus suffered for injustice because he's a good person who got a bad result. And his story is bigger than that circumstance. So even in injustice, which there's plenty of in the world, maybe plenty of in our houses, where people do not treat each other according to what they should, even if they profess to be believers. Pastor Roger used to say, those of you who don't know Pastor Roger, he was a He's a great man. He was one of the pastors here about a decade ago. He passed away, but he always said this, always people should be better than they are, but they're not. <laughs> Say it with me. People should be better than they are, but they're not. Injustice. Suffer for it, because Jesus did. And you remember the footsteps and the boy following their dad on the sand? That's us. We got, we got to expect to go where Jesus went. Now, is it easy? Was it easy for Jesus? Kind of hurt. You know, he, he, he approached that moment of knowing that he was submitting to death on the cross with fear and trepidation because it's going to hurt. It did physically hurt, but spiritually it was freedom for all of us. When we, when we have to suffer unrighteously, let's do it with a righteous cause in mind. So that. Here's a couple of examples. First Peter 3 1. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Were there some along the road to Golgotha that were won over by the conduct of Jesus? Is there anybody who's won over when I stop talking? What? Stop talking? Stop buying books for my husband? Stop putting Christian music on in the car? Stop sending little Bible verses to my kids? Just without a word sometimes? Walking out loud in real time? You know, you can't hide anything from your family. You're the TV screen that's always on. (laughs) Words are necessary, but sometimes words are are lies, but let them become truths, and then something happens. Hearts are changed. First Peter 3, 15, 16. But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord. Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect so that when you're slandered, those who revile you Revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Is there ever a time when putting a child to shame is good for him? I mean, we don't like that word, shame. We think it's kind of counterproductive psychologically, but I would say to you, let's call it conviction. We like that word in Christian circles. I felt convicted to make a change, which means I went, ew, that was a sin, and I need to do something different. So... When we, in our hearts first, honor Christ the Lord as holy, we can give a reason for our hope with gentleness and respect. Even if the person isn't asking for it, they're going to see the difference 
between a person that gives a reason for hope with gentleness and respect and somebody who's just trying to break down arguments. I don't want to go to that place because there's a lot of arguments. But I know this place, and I know that when Christ died for me so that I would have eternal life, I, always, I also got, according to Peter, hope, an enlarged faith, better relationships, and a sturdier witness. He gives those to me as a result of being with him. Here's another one. For, for this is the will of God, 1 Peter 2.15, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Whew, internet would be a good place to be silent every once in a while. 1 Peter 4.6, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. What, you mean dead in their sins? You mean while they were yet sinners, we bothered telling them about Jesus? Oh, you mean like he did for me? That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Praise God, Teresa Turner told me this in 1983. Final result. God gets glorified. I can whisk you back to that first verse I had up there with therefore and so that. And at the end of that so that sentence in Philippians 2, 9 and 10, is a major so that. It's so that Christ is glorified and every tongue confess that he is Lord. That's the big so that. Here's, the, here's a clue from a book. I, how many of you have read this book? The Purpose Driven Life. When did this go around? In the 90s? Did we all buy it? Did we make Rick Warren rich? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what on earth am I here for? That's a good question. I'm going to read it to you. Because the answer is on page one. Are you ready? It all starts with God. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. That's a paraphrase from the message, Colossians 1.16. Here's the big important. You know the first, raise your hand if you know the first one, two, three, four words of this book, raise it. All right, if you know, if you know that you're going to say it with me as soon as it drops, ready? One, two, three. It's not about you. That's a whole book. That's what I call a synopsis. <laughs> Not about you. He goes on to say, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. That's why we submit. That's it. Doesn't matter what the rest of the rules say, wives and husbands, slaves to masters, doesn't say anything about politics in here, but we know it's in there. Doesn't say anything about how to get along with your neighbor or to deal with a difficult boss or to have a pastor who's going someplace you don't agree with. It says God has a plan for submission and it's bigger than you and I can see. And when we get right with Jesus in the heart, we'll have a better chance of getting right with him in our behavior. Our conduct will follow our mind and our heart. That's what we want. But it's not about us. It's about him. 1 Peter 1, 6, 7. 
In this you rejoice that now for a little while you have been grieved by various trials, some of them I just mentioned, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's the result. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify God on the day of visitation. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the end of the sentence. And that's the end of our time together. We're going to read that last sentence together, the one that begins with in order that. Are you ready to follow along? That's going to be how we finish. That's our prayer. We're going to pray scripture right back to God. Ready? In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.